This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade. Try the all-new Tour Response, a tour-quality urethane ball that doesn't cost as much as a ball played on tour, only from TaylorMade. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn more. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. And good morning, golf fans. Welcome inside Golf Talk and on both TSN 1050. And you can watch us on TSN 2, Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Sacchino is away. If you've been following Mark on social media, Mark is somewhere in Italy. Looks nice. Looks very nice. And if you're watching us on TSN 2, you might notice that Bob and I are wearing the same sweater. Now, you know, the Ryder Cup was this past weekend, and they wear matching attire. And we thought, hey, we might as well match as well. No, we actually didn't call each other. Maybe we should have called each other. Well, you told me that since it's fall, we were going to wear sweaters. So <laughs> I just pulled the first Adidas sweater out of the cupboard, and there it was, and ready to go. But uh, uh, I was, it was kind of unfortunate this is one of those ones that's on TV, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it had been on radio, we would have been fine, but yeah. we can't get away with it. Anyway, yeah. we, we both look good. You know what Mark Skeen always says? The first good decision on the golf course always <laughs> yes. starts in the closet. And here we are matching in gray. But we'll discuss the Ryder Cup at length throughout the next couple of hours. What went right for the U.S.? What went wrong for Team Europe? Who was, you know, Steve Stricker? So many great winning decisions on his part. As we always say, you know, the U.S. just played better. And, uh, you know, with President's Cups, Ryder Cups in the past where the Europeans have dominated. But this time around, this felt like a President's Cup with the U.S. dominating. We'll get into that. We'll speak with Jason Sobel. Uh, formerly of ESPN, Golf Channel, now at the Action Network, host of Sirius XM. He was on the grounds at Whistling Straits. We'll hear from Jason Sobel. We'll also be uh, joined by Callum Davison. You might recall that name for our listeners and viewers who joined us four or five weeks ago. Uh, he's now the first two-time winner on the McKenzie Tour this season. So we'll be joined by Callum Davison. And Bob, Callum plays cross-handed. Cross-handed, so that's his... his uh Left hand is lower on the club, and yep. that's what swings through. It's a, I saw some footage of him swinging. It looks pretty cool, mm-hmm. um, but I wonder, I wonder. I mean, there's so many questions I could ask him about that, but now, I mean, it's legit. He's won twice on the PGA Tour Canada. Absolutely. So we'll be joined by Callum Davison. We'll have an update on 20 weeks of TaylorMade. Yes, it's coming back in 2022. An update on our Golf Talk Canada schedule here moving forward. So much to get to, but first, let's hit some news and headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger, everybody knows one. All right, pure domination. 19 to 9, Team USA wins the Ryder Cup over Team Europe. You know, last week both you and Mark spoke about how you thought the US was going to win. But at this margin, this amount of domination, like, could you see this coming going into this week? No, not really. And obviously, a lot of things had to happen for it to, to work that way. The course setup favored the Americans, no doubt about mm-hmm. that. The, um, the best players on the American team were the best players. Dustin Johnson is the highest-ranked player, and he played like that, 5-0. and The best players on Europe didn't all play that well. I mean, John Rahm did. And thank goodness for him, or it would have been even a bigger whitewash. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, Rory was nowhere... Um, you know, you can go down the list and look at some of the players, which I'm sure we'll get into. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's, I, and I think it's more than just, uh, it, it felt like more than a win. It felt like a transformation, like a tide turning. Um, like this is going to be an, an American team or the core of it that will be around for a while. And then when you look at the other side, 
uh, you see the aged group that uh, that has on Europe, and I don't know. There's not a lot more in the pipeline coming back. That so it's in that sense, it looks like this could be the the tide turning, and finally the Americans might have the advantage. Yeah, the changing of the guard, if you will, and you know, you look at the Americans' average world ranking, eight point nine. So you know, they had all these dominating players, but you mentioned Dustin Johnson here, and. You know, last season, obviously, he won the FedEx Cup. He won the November Masters. But his 2020-2021 season after that, once the calendar turned to 2021, yes, he won in Saudi Arabia back in February. But other than that, he was sort of MIA throughout the year. But this was the best golf we saw from Dustin Johnson since winning that November Masters. The best putting for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, his putter was red hot, uh, especially on Friday. And I thought thought it was like when at the... When he was winning the Masters, when he had that run after they came back from COVID, yep. where he was just holding everything from all over the golf course. And I think that's what I saw f- from him, as well as some, some good shot making. Now, of course, not to take away from, from that, but you're always, it's a different style of game, right? When you're For only, sure. When you're, when you're playing, especially when you're playing four balls. But, uh, but I, thought, uh, I thought Dustin Johnson was, was exceptional. He really was uh, just the fifth player in Ryder Cup history to go 5-0. and uh, No one really saw that coming, but DJ was dominant, um, that's for sure. Now, a big storyline coming into the week, of course, was the, the rookies. You know, there are six rookies on Team USA, as you mentioned in your essay on SportsCenter last week. You know, yes, there are six rookies, but, you know, we have an Olympic gold medalist. We have, you know, two-time major champion. We have a FedEx Cup champion. They were 11-2-2 going into the singles matches, and these rookies sure didn't look like rookies, that's for sure. Yeah, I think it's wrong to call them rookies. I started changing that to first-timers. Ah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, and a couple of them had played in the President's Cup, so it, it wasn't like they were coming in here completely blind, although mm-hmm. it is a different experience, as they all kind of mentioned. Uh, but boy, they, um, you know, these, these guys have been hungry for this kind of a thing, I, I think. And, and the fact that they are, some of them have played college golf against each other together. Um, and I think they, as, as Rory said afterwards, which I thought was a good comment, he said, you know, they have really bought into the Ryder Cup, as the Europeans have always done. The mm-hmm. Americans, I don't think, have always done that. They haven't always felt that this was uh, as big a thing as the Europeans felt it was. But these young guys, the Colin Morikawa's, the Xander Shoffley's, um, even Tony Finau, who's not a rookie, but although he was called a rookie several <laughs> times um, throughout the broadcast. But, uh, but I think these guys now are the, the nucleus of, of what's going to be the team going forward. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, that was another huge storyline coming into this. Uh, we'll discuss their hug at length, or should I say their hugs, plural, yeah. because uh, there was some uh, perhaps uh, alcohol-induced uh, hug after their press conference, um, which we'll discuss in a little bit as well. But, you know, last week on our preview show, we, we rolled in audio from Jordan Spieth talking about Whistling Straits as a golf course and just how he thought it was going to be a great match play course. And, I mean, they've hosted the PGA Championship three times in 2004, 2010, 2015. Jordan Spieth lost to uh, Jason Day in the 2015 PGA Championship. Dustin Johnson, of course, had that bunker kerfuffle back in 2010 uh, when Martin Keimer went on to win. What did you think of Whistling Straits as a match play golf course? I thought it was set up really well. Um, they, they gave the guys some, some leash to run with on some of the uh, downwind par mm-hmm. fours. They you know, gave them some chances, and some of them did drive the greens or came very close to it. I thought the pin setups were um, were very well done in terms of difficulty and access. Some days, depending on the situation, they they let them run with it a little bit. Uh, it's a it was enough of a test with the wind that it proved tricky enough for everybody, and I think that should be part of it. I think the elements yeah. should be part of it. But it definitely was set up to favor the Americans. I think 
the Americans, generally speaking, were a longer hitting team. Mm -hmm. And I think this was set up as a long course. Uh, not that that's something new, you know, like the, the, it was set up uh, for the Europeans in Paris. Um, that the last time they did this where, where the rough was really, really long because they knew that the U.S. were uh, not as accurate off the tee. So mm -hmm. everybody has their little niches, but I think that was, uh, I think it was a great golf course. It was fun to watch. There were some really, really cool uh, holes and some really cool um, uh, ways to play the holes, put it that way. Yeah, and, you know, some of the drone shots that uh, the broadcast showed with Lake Michigan, you know, right there. And you mentioned one thing uh, that struck a chord there with um, course setup and how France in 2018, three years ago, the last Ryder Cup was really set up for the Europeans. You know, the fairways were 20 yards wide. The rough was really thick. But, you know, some of the Europeans on this Whistling Straits golf course Shane Lowry, for example, he loved it because it was what he sort of grew up with. And to me, I thought Whistling Straits was closer to be set up more, like, more neutral to a degree. Like, at Hazeltine in 2016, there was zero rough out there. And the U.S. could just bomb and gouge, and they won by a bunch. And now the U.S. won by a bunch here. I'm curious here going forward. Like, in Rome, are we going to see fairways that are just, you know, five yards wide and, and pins tucked? Like, I'm really curious where they go from here. I mean, there's only so much you can do. There has to be a bit of a limit. For sure. And, and listen, the, the rough at Whistling Straits was cut down a lot more than it normally is. Mm. It was not quite as long unless you really went off the fairway. So, so there is that part of it. But I think, yeah, I think they'll do something that will help them, whether it's speedy greens or slow greens or whatever it is they'll do something but you can only go so far without you know making a mockery of it yeah uh, but i think what uh, what happened in 2018 was turned around in tw in, in 2021 here uh, so i think uh, fair is fair done that's for sure and um one of the uh, unofficial i guess vice captains or assistant captains was tiger woods and after the us won he tweeted out saying a dominant performance by team usa i can't wait to see and celebrate with all of you congrats all the players vice captains and of course captain steve stricker the players spoke about you know tiger maybe sending a message before the tournament or and they wouldn't really be specific about what it was but how much of a role do you think tiger played this past week uh, I don't. Th I think you can read too much into that. Yeah. I think he sent some messages. I know he was watching. You know, by all accounts, he was watching it and trying to stay involved with it. But uh, and I'm sure the encouragement doesn't hurt. But I'm sure he wasn't the only one sending messages of encouragement. But he is the alpha dog, so it's great when you see that on there. Does mm -hmm. that help the guy? You know, when he's standing over an eight-foot putt? Probably not. But it's nice to know that Tiger's in your corner. I don't think there was any doubt that he he wasn't in the corner. But I think it's a. Uh, you know, I think it's it's a nice gesture and it's a cool thing. And if you are uh, a golfer who grew up, as uh, most of these guys in that team did, idolizing Tiger, it's kind of cool to know he's in your side. Well, not, not only is he on their side, he's buddies with a lot of these guys too, yeah. which is it's pretty cool, you know, for guys like Justin Thomas, who's, you know, apparently very close with him. You know, Dustin Johnson, a bunch of the guys are quite close to Tiger Woods. Hopefully we see Tiger back playing at some point or, you know, back healthy. It seems like he's getting back on the right track in terms of maybe playing golf again at some point uh, in the near future. But, you know, in, in recent history, we've seen a lot of blowouts in the Ryder Cups, you know, 2010 and 2012 were the last two really close ones. Why have we seen so many blowouts? What's next for Team Europe? What's next for Team USA? We'll discuss that and much more with Jason Sobel, who's going to join us after the break. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade. Try the all-new Tour Response, a tour-quality urethane ball that doesn't cost as much as a ball played on tour, only from TaylorMade. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn more. This is Golf Talk Canada. 
Presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Zucchino is off on vacation today as we continue to discuss the Ryder Cup and the dominating win by Team USA, 19-9, the most dominating victory in in the modern era, which was uh, pretty crazy. Uh, That's for sure a dominating win by Team USA to get it done. Winning all four se- or all five sessions, I should say, in all of them in dominating fashion. And our next guest was on the grounds of Whistling Straits, and that was Jason Sobel of the Action Network and the host of Sir- at uh, Sirius XM as well, who's on the air very shortly uh, with Sirius. Uh, do we have Jason online? Jason, are you there? I don't think we have Jason yet. Not no. quite yet. Not not quite yet. Okay, so we're uh, working on getting Jason. Uh, on the line, but uh, we're going to ask Jason this question, and I teased it going into the commercial break. We've seen a lot of blowouts in the Ryder Cups. Uh, you know, the last two that were close, 2010 in Wales, 2012, the Miracle at Medina, or Meltdown at Medina, if you will. Um, why do you think we're seeing so many blowouts? Uh, I think it's uh, just the nature of the beast to a certain extent. I think when one team gets some momentum, they, they carry that forward, and it's tough if you are on the downside, knowing already you're going to lose. Graham Dillette, was, who was on with us at SportsCenter, said, interesting, you know, when, when he was playing in the President's Cup and they knew they were going to lose when they went out to the singles, Nick Price came in the dressing room and said, the team room, and said, you know, guys, we just, we got to play for pride. we got to play mm-hmm. for, um, for each other. And it, it's, I think it's tough to do. So I think, obviously, when, when you get one side going and they start, it's like a snowball rolling down a hill and they just keep adding those points on and top of yeah. them up. Well, we do now have Jason Sobel on the line from the Action Network and host at the Sirius XM. Jason was on the grounds at Whistling Straits and now is joining us. Jason, welcome to Golf Talk Canada. Thanks for taking the time this morning. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? We are great. Thank you. What was it like being on the grounds? Uh, you know, post-COVID, uh, to a degree, I guess, Whistling Straits, the, the stands were packed. The atmosphere was electric. What was it like actually being there uh, for the Ryder Cup? Yeah, electric is the word that I keep using as well. Uh, just thousands and thousands of people coming out for our game. And, you know, Bob, you're on the road a lot. You see what these tournaments are like. And sure, major championships, a lot of people show up. But it, it's it, it's always intriguing and interesting to me when you get to a Ryder Cup. It's like, man, our little game that feels like, you know, our little corner of the world. And, okay, people are paying attention. And now all of a sudden it's like, man, this is like the big time there thousands and thousands of partisan fans, not just fans, oh, I'm going to walk around, have a beer, and watch a little golf. It's, no, I'm going to come wrapped up in a flag with my face painted red, white, and blue, and I'm going to yell for my guys, and I'm going to cheer just like it's a football game. It felt like it, sort of felt like it was the football weather here in Wisconsin, and uh, it was a really, really fun electric atmosphere. Uh, it wasn't that much fun, perhaps, for the European side. Great fun for the American side. Why do you think this one was so dominant, the win by the Americans? Yeah, uh, bad news for you guys in the President's Cup next year. Uh, we'll get to that <laughs> a little bit, I think. But, uh, oh, look, it, it's, uh, it's a combination of a lot of things. So, first of all, the U.S. team is really, really good. They have 12 really good world-class players. That usually helps. That's a good start. Uh, secondly, Steve Stricker, I thought he was masterful this past week. He didn't try to do anything special. He didn't try to uh, cheerlead. He didn't try to, you know, he said, I didn't show videos in the team room, and I didn't bring in 
famous speakers or anything like that. I just let these guys go do their job. They know how important this is to everybody. They know how important it is for themselves. And I let them go out and do it. And I keep coming back to something where and I've gotten some pushback on this on Twitter a little bit. But remember after the 2014 Ryder Cup, Tom Watson was appointed captain by the PGA of America. It didn't work for myriad reasons. And afterward, a bunch of players and former players formed what was called the task force. And look, I, I led the charge on the jokes about it and the punchlines and you know we're gonna have a task force to figure out how to win the Ryder cup huh? come on just go out there and play better what's the big deal and, and what the task force is all about was taking ownership for the players of the Ryder cup team and, and and by that i mean instead of the pga of america making decisions on who the captain would be and how the course was set up and things like that the guys like tiger woods and phil mickelson and steve stricker and davis love and fred couples these were going to be the guys who are overseeing everything. These were going to be the guys who are personally invested, and they're the ones who have gotten the players themselves who are on the team now more engaged. And think about it. If you're a Jordan Spieth, you're a Justin Thomas, you're any of these guys, who do you want to play for more? Is it the PGA of America, the organization itself, or, hey, I'm going to go out there for my guy, Steve Stricker, for my guy, Phil Mickelson. I'm going to go out there and play for the guys that I grew up watching. And so, uh, look, I, I apologize. Six, seven years ago, we made fun of this task force. We said, yeah, this is silly. This is never going to work. And, and quite honestly, uh, this is the evolution of it. This is the culmination of what that task force was supposed to do, which is bring that ownership to the players. In conversation here with Jason Sobel from the Action Network and host at Sirius XM. Now, 12 guys, 12 players make the Ryder Cup team. And, you know, always, for whatever reason, some guys aren't going to get along. And, you know, heading into the Ryder Cup week, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, that was a huge uh, conversation point. What, what, was your, what was your perspective of what went on between Bryson and Brooks throughout the week? I mean, it ended off with a couple of hugs, that's for sure. Yeah, they ended with Justin Thomas uh, imploring them to hug with the Ryder Cup. And they were fine with it. Steve Stricker said, look, these guys actually asked to play together. And, he said, you know, I, that wasn't in the cards. I didn't have that plan, so we didn't do it. But, I mean, by the end of the week, yeah, these guys were all getting along. They're all, first of all, they're all professionals. Secondly, um, they're all pretty good guys, and they all like getting along with each other. And I think long there's long been a notion that, the, the Europeans have better team camaraderie. They like each other more. They hang out together more. That might have been the case 25, 30 years ago when uh, these guys all played the European tour all the time. They're traveling together from tournament to tournament. But let's face it, most of these players now live in Scottsdale or they live in Florida or uh, they're somewhere around the world where they're traveling around to golf tournaments by themselves. And it, it's not like it used to be. And quite frankly, the American players have grown up playing together. A, a handful of them spoke about how they've known each other since they were teenagers, pre-teenagers. And so um, this, is, this shouldn't be much of a surprise, the fact that they all get along. As far as Brooks and Bryson, look, uh, for whatever side you were on, and I think that uh, the majority in the polls were Team Brooks over Team Bryson coming into this week for whatever reason. I don't know where those percentages would lie right now, but – Team Bryson has done a great job of closing the gap. I, I thought he was fantastic this week. He played to the crowd. He handed up. He, he pulled driver, whatever he could pull driver, and just smashed it all over the place. He had a smile on his face. Uh, I think he won over a lot of fans this week. And, uh, and Brooks may not have. Brooks, 
you know, Brooks was a little bit prickly throughout the week. Um, you know, he, he had that rules, that rules, uh, uh, little, uh, I was going to say rules and fright. It wasn't rules and fright. He was looking for a drop on Saturday and, you know, sort of dropped an F-bomb to a couple of the rules officials saying, hey, if I break my wrist, it's on you. I, I don't know. It was just kind of a, uh, not a great look for Brooks Kepka. I didn't really have a problem with it, but not a great look. But it, it really was a great look for Bryson DeChambeau. And so, again, I, I think that that gap has been narrowed a little bit in that, uh, that Brooks-Bryson debate. Uh, I know you got to go here, uh, Jason, but quickly, you mentioned President's Cup. I said last night on SportsCenter that I think the American team will have more difficulty winning the President's Cup than the next Ryder Cup. And that was more a... More aside on the fact that the European team looks like it's going to be depleted by guys who are <laughs> retiring or being retired by that point, and there doesn't seem to be as much in the pipeline there as there is for the President's Cup. Your thoughts? I don't disagree, Bob. I, I think the President's Cup team right now, the international side, is probably a better team uh, than the European team. Europe's got a couple guys, obviously John Rahm and Rory, who didn't have his best stuff this past week, and Victor Hovland, but uh, from 4 through 12, uh, certainly the, the international team is deeper in those spots than the European team was. So you might be on to something. I also wonder about the motivation and desire. I mean, these guys put everything they had into the Ryder Cup. Let's face it, the President's Cup isn't the Ryder Cup. And to get these guys to, uh, to invest, to be engaged that much on a yearly basis, to get them coming back next year and, and feeling the same way for the President's Cup, that's going to be tough. I, I almost wonder if at some point the U.S. says, look, We've got a really good thing going with the Ryder Cup. Let's use the President's Cup as sort of a training ground. Let's, you know, people want to see Kevin Na in one of these things. Let's see what he's got. They want to see mm-hmm. Kevin Kisner, Will Zalatoris, and Sam Burns, two really good young players that I think could be on the team in Rome. Let's give them a shot next year at the President's Cup. I don't think that's ever going to happen because I think, eh, well, because I know that the PGA Tour runs the President's Cup and they don't want it diminished. In any way, they want their biggest stars out there. But I, I sort of feel like that would be a, a a nice way to go to, you know, first of all, maybe uh, even the playing field a little bit between the two teams. Secondly, uh, for the sake of the U.S. team to, you know, kind of say, hey, who's got the chops for the Ryder Cup every other year and who do we want to get into that mix a little bit? But, again, it ain't going to happen. Jason, uh, we know you have a show in a couple minutes. Uh, thanks much for your time this morning, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That was Jason Sobel of the Action Network and host at Sirius XM. And we just opened up a whole can of worms there. <laughs> I didn't actually see your sports center here last night talking about the International Presidents Cup team. It, it's a great argument. I it's, mean, yeah, it was made more on the fact that the, you know, the European team really doesn't have a lot. Of, of yeah. stars coming up. Although I, I did preface it by saying, you know, two years or three years ago when the last Ryder Cup was, Colin Morikawa was in university. So a lot can happen between now and the next Ryder Cup. Well, and, and Jason made an interesting point there talking about, you know, bringing in a guy like Kevin Na for the President's Cup or, you know, a bold pick like that. The U.S. kind of did that in 2013 with Jordan Spieth. Yeah. Where Spieth was a rookie on tour. Spieth won the John Deere Classic that year in a playoff over David Hearn, of all people, of course, a five-hole playoff. But he actually partnered with Steve Stricker in that Ryder Cup. Yes, he went on to lose to our own Graham Dillette in the singles matches. But that's where you're giving these guys experience to play in a team stage. And yes, maybe in amateur golf, they played in, in, uh, in team events before. But not to the degree of a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup where there are... 50,000 people screaming your name or, you know, you know, doing whatever they're doing in the crowd. 
I'm curious going forward because the international they almost won that Presidents Cup two years ago too. Almost, almost. You're it, right. it was pretty close, but uh, we just opened up a whole can of worms. I know <laughs> we'll, we'll be bringing this up again uh, in the next 90 minutes or so. But after the break, we're going to take a deep dive into Team USA. Brooks versus Bryson. That was the big talk going into the week. At the end of the week, we saw them sort of awkwardly bro hugging. What went right? What went wrong? Not much went wrong for Team USA. <laughs> we'll discuss all that coming up after the break. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada, live on TSN 1050. You can also watch us on TSN 2 this morning as we continue to recap the historic performance at the Ryder Cup, the U.S. beating Team Europe 19-9. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks here in studio. Mark Sacchino is off today. So, Team USA, the beatdown, you could call it. The, <laughs> the biggest win, the most lopsided victory in the modern era of the Ryder Cup. We mentioned DJ uh, off the top of the show, and I, I wanted to discuss DJ a little more here because he's got to be the MVP of this team. Sort of, he's the the elder statesman of the team, the oldest player on the team by a, a fair amount, at 37 years old, going five and zero to play to play not only to play all five sessions, but at Whistling Straits, it's not exactly the easiest walk on the golf course. But the, the wind, the conditions, different uh, playing scenarios with with uh, foursomes and four ball. But DJ has to be the MVP of Team USA, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. I think anyone, anytime you go 5-0, and oh, uh, first of all, playing all five matches is, as you said, is, a, is quite something. Now, he's in ridiculously good shape. He's a yeah. workout fanatic. He's a freak of nature, really. Yeah, he really is. And, um, but but I, think, I think it's a surprise, as you said earlier. You know, coming in here, he might not have been in the last six months, may not have been the DJ we saw of a year ago when he was dominating things, winning the Masters, um, shooting 60, rolling in, you know, making those ridiculous scores for quite a while. And he'd kind of gone off it. It was always a little bit off with the driver or a little bit off with the putter. And he never seemed to be able to sync everything up. So I think this was a, a really good exhibition of where his game can be. And perhaps it's a little bit more a case of um, desire. Uh, you know, it's easy to kind of get burned out when you're number one and you're dr sure. driving around here and there. But for something like this, if he can elevate his... Um, his desire, his oomph, his want, I think that this is the kind of thing that he can produce. And again, it's easier when you have a partner, a little bit easier. When you have a partner to, to rely on, you can take more chances, you can do things differently. But I still think what we saw from DJ now, um, it's kind of interesting when you look at what's going forward in the next you know, next little while, if he starts to take off in January like this, could be interesting. It really could be interesting. And you mentioned burnout there. And, you know, obviously three years ago in Paris, the Europeans, it was basically the, the team switching jerseys uh, from this week. The Europeans just absolutely destroyed the, the U.S. But the last Ryder Cup was the week after the Tour Championship. There was no time off. That's when Tiger won that win number 80 and, you know, at Eastlake. And a week later, they all just looked exhausted. Do you think, because this time around there was, what, two or three weeks off after the Tour Championship, so guys having some time to rest, some time to maybe heal any nagging injuries, do you think the rest more helped the U.S. from the burnout of playing the FedEx Cup playoffs with so much dough on the line to, you know, taking three weeks off and, you know, representing your country in this way? 
There's probably something to that. I think you have to be careful because don't forget a lot of those Europeans were playing mm-hmm. in that tour championship mm-hmm. too. Even if they weren't winning, at least yep. they were playing in it. Uh, so I think there's equal side. On, we, we, we heard Rory talking about in the playoffs about how, how he was just burned out and uh, yeah. fried. And he was looking forward to getting some rest, getting a few weeks off. Maybe he needed another week before this <laughs> yeah. or not. I'm not sure. Um, but I think there can be something to the exhaustion. And, and I think there, it's good when you have a little break between the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup or whatever it is to try and put things together. And, and not, only, not only physically, but mentally too. Uh, get your team together. I remember Steve Stricker took a bunch of the guys up and they played a practice round mm-hmm. together. And I think everybody but Brooks, maybe. Um, yeah, because Brooks had just hurt his wrist. Right. So I think, you know, that kind of stuff you can do when you have a little time off and you can build that team a little bit more. You can imbibe them with some of the stuff that you they, they need to think about. And uh, and so, yeah, I, I think it, the overall event, whether you're cheering for Europe or America, is better if there's a little break before it. Yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree. And in terms of covering the sport, in terms of viewing the sport, a good little break every now and again. <laughs> it's, it's not bad uh, as well. But, you know, you, know, you know, it is. I will say this, and, and you know, you've been to the President's Cup. Mm-hmm. It is perhaps the worst event to go and cover from a standpoint or, or to watch if you actually want to see golf. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's 40,000 people and there's four groups. And so it's tough. It is also, on the other flip side, perhaps the most fun event to go and cover and to go and watch because of all these, the, 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 the yelling, the screaming, the us versus them kind of stuff. So it's, it's an interesting uh, conundrum there for, for fans and for media. You know, it's so funny you mentioned that President's Cup. That was four years ago now, which is so hard to believe. A couple more gray hairs now than four years ago. But, you know, standing on that first tee, uh, I remember, I think it was the Saturday afternoon, you wanted to experience it from the top of the bleachers. And you went up there, and, you know, that was at a very similar time where... Um, Kevin Kisner was also, he walked into the crowd and, and the fans were chanting. And you know, we saw Paul Casey you know, jump in, into the, the first tee crowd uh, this week. I remember talking with, we were standing with Adam Hadwin going into that President's Cup. And you've just got to think like the adrenaline these guys must feel on that first tee. I, I know they, they had the, the whoop sensor going. And for some guys, it was a lot higher. And some guys, it was like nothing really a change. But I can't imagine just as a, everyday golfer to think imagine hitting a golf ball in front of 3,000 people screaming your name or it, it would just be something very unique and different remember uh, remember Bubba Watson yelling at the fans to cheer while he was yeah. driving right and so you're right it's it's a different week it's an us versus them week it's a as Jason Sobel was saying it's like a football game or mm-hmm. a hockey game mm-hmm. or uh, you just do things and you see things and you hear things and for a player you feel things that you don't week in and week out even if it's a major championship you know it's uh the, the whole aspect of playing for 11 other guys or with 11 other guys is just completely uh, different than anything they experience all year unless it's uh, the match play in New Orleans or not the, the partner in, the, in New Orleans. You know, that's about the only mm-hmm. thing that you could even come close to. And, it's, and that's not really even that close. It's not that close for sure. You know, you mentioned partner there. We talked about DJ. Uh, DJ spent some time playing with Xander Shoffley. Spent a lot of time playing with Colin Morikawa. And Colin Morikawa, since last August, won two major championships in that span. Sort of had a blip uh, after the Open Championship in the playoffs. Maybe bothered by some sort of back injury. And heading into, heading into the week, n- not much form at all. But this guy he must have you know, taken that two or three weeks off. Got some rest because he was a stud all week. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, there were a lot of studs all week, yeah. right? I mean, it's hard to you go down that lineup and you just can pick them out one after another mm-hmm. after another, and I mean, every player got a point at least. And uh, um, you can look at the contributions of some of these guys and what they did. And and I mean, Scotty Scheffler playing alongside you know Bryson and uh, 
I mean, that's, that's a big task and a big ask to go along with a guy who's completely different kind of game than you mm-hmm. play. So, I don't know. You, you just, every, every player on that team, I can go down and, and, and say, yep, I know something about that, and I can point out what they contributed and how they contributed. And uh, in, in some cases, it's in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's emotionally, sometimes it's putting, sometimes it's driving, whatever you want to say. You know, an, a, a big story heading into the week, one of the essays we did for SportsCenter was Bryson DeChambeau. And we were correct in the sense that he didn't play in foursomes, didn't play an alternate shot. That would have been fascinating to see him play <laughs> alternate shot because he played alternate shot back in 2018 with Phil Mickelson on the uh, the, Saturday, the Saturday afternoon, and they got absolutely whacked. He was a different golfer back then, let's be fair. It's, it is funny seeing the, the split screen of Bryson DeChambeau in 2018. Even Bryson DeChambeau, when he played in the Masters, as an amateur back in 2016 versus now. He just looks like two different human beings. But um, it seemed like Bryson had the perfect partner in Scotty Scheffler. And that was really all summarized by that fifth hole on uh, Friday afternoon when Scotty Scheffler, it's a par five, Scotty Scheffler hits his three wood down the left-hand side and Bryson takes a line completely the other side and has 72 yards into a par five where that's the beauty of match play, right? Where if you have a partner already in play, why not take out the big dog and let it eat, right? And Bryson, Bryson had a great week. On the other side of it, you know why you didn't play foursomes? You could look at his opening tee shot uh, in his first round of four ball where he went 30 yards left of the fairway, yep. hit a woman in the ankle. Right. Now, he did get up and down for a birdie out of there, but if you're his partner out there, man, you're going to see some places you've never seen on a golf course before, that's for sure. Yeah, and, you know, he was, he was fun to watch, and... and um, Obviously, you know, the Brooksy stuff, but it seemed like the crowd was really on his side this week. I know he was lifting his putter up all the time, like the Statue of Liberty, which some people thought was kind of strange. Uh, You know, on the Sunday singles, on the sixth hole, 339-yard par five, he has the driver in his hand. Hey, you know what, caddy out in the three-wood. The fans are kind of, you know, giving it to him a bit, and he says, you know what, guys, I'm still going for the green here. (laughs) 339 yards, he's got a three-wood. I mean, Bryson was great all week. I I think he will be, though, I think he will be kind of, in the same mold as Patrick Reed, where the American fans will love him. But when he goes next time to Rome, uh, I'm not sure he's going to get so much uh, happiness over there. And, and, you know, doing things like putting his putter down for the inside the leather thing. Oh, and yeah. Not putting it down, but putting it in the cup. <laughs> in the cup. Down. And it actually wasn't inside the leather, which is even funnier. Uh, so there's a few things like that. But I think uh, what Jason Sobel said is probably right, too. If you're a Team Brooks or a Team Bryson, uh, I think there's more people on the Team Bryson bandwagon right now than there are on the Team Brooks just for some of his antics. Yeah, he mentioned his antics there. I'll get into that a little more in Winners Weird and What because that uh, kerfuffle with the rules officials, plural, was uh, something, uh, that's for sure. Now, um, you know, heading into the Saturday uh, four-ball session, the U.S. had a six-point lead. And for a little bit there, the Europeans were diving into that lead. Eventually, they end up splitting that. But you mentioned the Americans and just how much depth they had. They benched the fourth, fifth, and sixth-ranked players in the world that Saturday afternoon. And then going into the Sunday singles, you have Scotty Scheffler, who's the 21st-ranked player in the world, the lowest-ranked player of any of the Americans in, in the official World Golf ranking. And he absolutely waxes the world number one. So the future... The future's bright for Team USA in all, both, as you mentioned in, in our last segment, the President's Cup and the, the Ryder Cup as well. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's hard to imagine that they, uh, they can't field a stronger team than just about anybody. But, you know, Tempest Fugit, time passes and, and things change. And we didn't see this coming three years ago. And uh, we may not see it in two years again. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's going to come up. Um, but right now, it's, it looks like this is sort of a, the foundation of a uh, of a long run of 
at least if it's not dominance, then certainly winning. And you mentioned dominance there. Steve Stricker has now captained the U.S. twice. 2017 President's Cup record victory. 2020, 2020 Ryder Cup played in 21. Another record victory. This guy, speaking of all-stars, I mean, it seemed like he had a plan out of the gates to try to make the week as normal as possible. You know, Brooks Kepka had that article that came out a couple weeks ago saying that the week is different, and he downplayed it that the media was really... Um, you know, all over him for that. But it's, it, you know, Steve Stricker had a plan and he, and he stuck to it. And the players, you can tell, really love and respect him. Yeah, it, and it wasn't a complicated plan. That's the thing. I think he realized he's got great players. He doesn't need to, you know, doesn't need to do a lot. He just needs to find out. And, he, you know, he went around and asked the guys, who do you want to play with? Who do you want to play with? That's always a great move because you play mm-hmm. with some guy. That they'll tell you who they think. And it's probably better than what you can do with all the research. They do have analytics. Yep. You know, both sides have been using deep analytics to try and figure out where the matches are, who plays better with which, which games mesh together, which golf balls go together better. And, and they use that to a certain extent. But I think at the end of the day, you just got to trust that the guys are going to tell you who, who they uh, feel better with. Now, there are a number of vice captains on this team who might be in line to be the next captain. Steve Stricker said he doesn't want to be the captain again. He said he loved the experience, but in their press conference, which we'll get into in our next segment because that was something in itself, <laughs> but he said, you know, it was fun being the captain, but I'm glad it's over. <laughs> so in two years from now, who is the U.S. captain? Who do you think? Oh, I think the lineup is pretty well set. I think it's going to be Zach Johnson. Mm-hmm. And I think they've got it. You know, a lot of times your captain is picked based on where the event is going to be. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, they've got it set up. So Phil will be in uh, Beth Page Black. And they'll probably have Tiger go and do an away game. Um, same side on the Europeans. You know, I think they've got they've got one coming up in Ireland where the sure Graham McDowell yep. will be. Uh, I don't know who, you know, it, it looks like it probably will be Lee, Le- Lee Westwood's to turn down uh, mm-hmm. for, the next one, for the next one in, uh, yeah. in Rome. Uh, so I think a lot of it's based on that. But um, listen, they've, as Jason Sobel was saying, they put together that that uh, that uh, task force yep. to to put this exactly in place. So they have a, a succession of capable captains, no matter where they are or what what they're going to do. Looking forward to seeing the next Ryder Cup. It's my favorite tournament of the year to watch, and I can't wait for two years uh, down the road. On the other side, we'll discuss that uh, that Team USA victory press conference because things uh, sure got interesting. Plus, we'll have some leaderboard updates from the world of golf. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks on TSN 1050 as well. You can watch us on TSN 2. Mark Sakino is off today. We'll get back to the Ryder Cup here momentarily. But first, leaderboard updates around the world of golf. Leaderboard updates brought to you by Bushnell Golf, number one range finder in golf. Bob, there are some other events going on in the world of golf throughout the weekend. Speaking on the PGA Tour champions, the Pure Insurance Championship, where K.J. Choi gets it done at Pebble Beach. What a tournament that is. With a two-shot victory over Bernhard Langer and Alex Cheka, Mike Weir finishing T22 there. On the McKenzie Tour, PJ Tour Canada, Callum Davison, the Golf BC Championship, a second victory of the season. We'll have much more with Callum Davison in about 25 minutes when he joins us right here on Golf Talk Canada as well. LPGA Tour, Brooke Henderson didn't, 
you know, T25 finished there on the LPJ Tour. Couldn't get it done there. But we'll see much more from, book, from Brooke as the fall season continues. Uh, Ryder Cup, of course. U.S. winning 19-9 in a lopsided victory. But I mentioned heading into this segment, it's always fun seeing these team events because the press conferences after are uh, full of shenanigans, full of maybe a few cocktails, full of not having any food in between winning and having said cocktails. We were together in 2017 at Liberty National where Dustin Johnson was dancing on a table during a press conference and was actually leading, sort of asking the questions, and he really stole the show as well. He is. He's an amazing guy when he gets, that, gets in that shape. And it is funny because the guys basically they basically start drinking on the course as soon as their match is mm-hmm. open. And it's probably, I don't know, two hours before they get into the presser. Yeah. So they've had a long time to kind of get themselves going. And they are. They let loose. They, uh, they have some fun. And both sides, I would say, you know, as downcast as the Europeans looked when they left the golf course, when they got in the press room, they were full of laughs, full of... Uh, uh, they had some emotion as well, but they were taking the, the piss out of each other, as the saying goes. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it, was, uh, it was really good to see. And DJ, DJ is the king. He's the guy who, if you, it, it's, it's, you know, I can tell you, if you read the transcript of it, it's hilarious. It's just Because DJ is normally pretty quiet, pretty straightforward in, the, in his pressers. He can be funny uh, in a dry sense of way that it almost feels like he doesn't know he's being funny, but I think he is. Mm-hmm. He's sly, but in these and this one, I mean, he was just the king of uh, the king of one-liners and the king of uh, organizing things. Well, and he was, you know, someone would ask someone else a question and DJ would answer it for them. Yeah. He was just being that. And you know what? And another reporter, I'm not sure who it was, basically asked DJ, you know what? You're the elder statesman here. Do you think you can out-party all these young bucks? And he said, absolutely. Next question. So I wonder, you know what, we're... <laughs> What, 18 hours, 16 hours after winning? <laughs> Do you think they've gone to sleep yet? <laughs> I think they went right to their private planes, probably, and yeah. just jetted off from Milwaukee or wherever they can, the closest airport is. But, yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's good. You know, and usually what happens in these events is one te- the, the losing team will go into the winning mm-hmm, team's mm-hmm. Uh, locker or team room, and they, they all sort of hug it out and have some fun. So it's uh, as tense as it is and as... Um, competitive as it is I guess I think once it ends and once the kind of shock of either winning or losing kind of wears down a little bit and the alcohol starts flowing they, they become you know 24 guys in there and uh, having some fun and the caddies are in there and some other people mm-hmm. as well I remember seeing scenes from the last President's Cup where uh, Adam Hadwin was dressed in like a bunny suit from the mm-hmm. uh, one of the uh, fans of the uh, Australian team so uh, a lot of stuff goes in there and it does go to show you just how much these guys really do get along and how much they, you know, they, I think they respect each other. For sure. And, you know, uh, John Feinstein wrote a book about the Ryder Cup a couple of years ago. It came out after the U.S. won in 2016. And there was a story in there when the U.S. came back, when Justin Leonard made that great putt in 1999 at Brookline. You know, the, the team's partying and a young Tiger Woods at the time said, you know what? I'm going to bed. I'm, I'm tired. And, you know, a couple of the guys hounded on his door and saying, you know what, Tiger, you're not going to experience this very often. Get back out there. And in 2016, when Tiger was an assistant captain, he took aside a couple of the guys, apparently, and said, you're not going to experience this very often. L- live it up. Enjoy the evening. And, you know, I- I'm sure the guys really enjoyed it. There were a couple of funny moments from that press conference, notably Xander Shoffley, who <laughs> said, I didn't realize we had to do media after this, which, was, <laughs> yeah, which I thought right. was pretty funny. We had Colin Morikawa double fisting with the, the bottle of champagne here and whatever he was drinking here. 
uh, you see the, you see some different personalities, and you know Jordan Spieth poking fun at Bryson when someone asked Bryson a specific question about how do you enjoy your Ryder Cup experience, and Bryson said, "Why are you asking me alone?" And you know Spieth said, "Hey Bryson, you haven't done any media in about a month, so <laughs> they, yeah, they always they always take a little a few fun shots at each other." And I remember uh, at Medina when the Europeans guy when the European came back, Mark Millet, our cameraman here at TSN, and I were out. Um, and the European team was sort of on a walkway bridge. Yep. And we were all underneath trying to get shots of them, and they were spraying the uh, the champagne. And I remember the next morning, Mark, looking at his cameras, worrying about all the champagne that had gotten on it. But uh, last night you saw, I remember one time there was Phil Mickelson pouring champagne into Jordan Spieth. In 2016. 2016, and yep. this time it was reversed with Jordan. There was a shot of Jordan pouring it into uh, Phil's mouth. So... Uh, uh, some good times for the winners and some uh, even some good times for the losers, too. Absolutely. And, you know, that press conference ended with uh, Justin Thomas saying, you know, before we go, guys, let's see a hug. Bryson and Brooks, and they got in the middle. We had Xander Shoffley sort of emceeing it a little bit. Uh, yes, it was forced, but, hey, you know what? Maybe now the PGA Tour will, will pair them together in a tournament? <laughs> I don't know. Probably not, but, you know what? Maybe now they're cordial they're not going to kill each other I don't yeah know. i think i think it's if, if anything it just kind of tempered things down a little bit maybe and so that's a good thing now if, next time if they ever lose another one <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what happens but uh, but hey we got the hug yeah we got the hug we got the yeah the awkward sort of bro handshake hug thing uh there was a bromance mention that dustin johnson was all over in the press conference uh, hopefully all of team usa is enjoying uh maybe some gatorade maybe a nice greasy meal this morning because i'm sure their heads uh, aren't feeling uh so Good. Uh, That wraps up Hour 1 here on Golf Talk Canada. On the other side, we'll dive deep into Team Europe. What went wrong? What happened to Rory McIlroy? What happened to Ian Poulter, Ryder Cup All-Star, MIA most of the week? And is this the changing of the guard for Team Europe? Is this John Rahm's team going forward? We'll discuss that and much more as well. Callum Davison, the two-time winner on the McKenzie Hero, will join us after the break. Or in this uh, about 20 minutes or so, this is Golf Talk Canada. By TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back to Hour 2, the back nine here on Golf Talk Canada on TSN 1050 as well. You can watch us. On TSN2, Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Zacchino is off today. Well, Bob, we spent the first hour really discussing the dominance that was Team USA at the Ryder Cup. But what about on the other side? What about Team Europe? This is, you know, Team Europe had won seven of the last nine cups coming into this week, into the Ryder Cup. I picked them to win the Ryder Cup. Oops. But um, aside from a couple players, just Team Europe, just it seemed like it just wasn't their week, and the U.S. just played better. Yeah, I think it would have been tough for the Europeans to win this in any account, but to get 
demolished as they did is really something surprising. I mean, if you look at some of these guys here who didn't win a match. Tommy Fleetwood, who was who was so good uh, mm -hmm. in, in Paris. Uh, Bern Wiesberger, one of the rookies. Matthew Fitzpatrick did not win. Paul Casey did not win. Victor Hovland did not win. You know, it's... Um, it's it's hard to see that some of these guys. We're, we talked about all the old guys, but but you look at a guy like Hovland, you would have thought. I mean, he got two halves, but still, you would have thought that he would have been a leader in there. And if it wasn't for John Rom, I mean, where would this team have been, right? It's uh, really would have been dire. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about you know some of the guys who really struggle. But you mentioned John Rom there, and last week on our show, uh, both you and Mark made the point about is this going to be John Rom's team going forward? And especially after the performance this week, you have to think that this is going to be John Rom's team. Come come 2023 in Rome. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be between him and Rory. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what they do between now and then. But John Rahm's the number one player in the world right now. Uh, hard to think that he won't be competitive or win another major before then. Mm -hmm. uh, but we don't know what's going to happen with Rory. His game is you know sort of good and then not good. We mm -hmm. don't know. But uh, but I still think Rory emotionally will be the team leader. Um, you saw that press conference where he broke down and not press conference the interview broke down in tears and talked about well how much this meant to him so I still think that that and his his leadership kind of position will 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 sort of dominate even if he doesn't dominate on the golf course or play as well on the golf course but um, but yeah it's going to be an interesting to see where we are when we get to Rome yeah it really is and we'll get to Rory and that emotional uh, interview both with Sky Sports and with Golf Channel NBC a little later uh, but John Rahm I mean th throughout you know, he's been the most consistent player on the PGA Tour uh, in 2021. Arguably should have won the Player of the Year. Obviously, Patrick Cantley won the Player of the Year, who also had a great week for Team USA. And for part of the season, it seemed like John Rahm was struggling with the putter. But of any of the players, I can't really think of someone else who drained more putts from 15 to 50 feet throughout the week on either side. John Rahm was a wrecking ball out there for Team Europe. He was. I mean, three and a half points out of the uh, their total of nine is not bad. That's a third of the points, right? So, I mean, it's um, it's it's impressive what he was doing. It's why he's number one in the mm -hmm. world. And uh, and you just got to think that uh, he's just getting started. Yeah. It's honestly, what I would would say, not only in Ryder Cup but obviously in uh, in, in golf. Uh, he's still very young, but boy, is he dominant. There doesn't really seem to be a weak part about his game right now. Well, and maybe the weak part of his game prior to this year was up here because he was a guy who would lose it. He would be bothered by something and he'd be thrown off for a couple of holes. And, you know, he mentioned at the PGA Championship this year uh, when his child was a couple of months old, he's saying he wants to be a, a better role model. And this guy's a different guy on the golf course because at the Ryder Cup, you know, we saw Terrell Hatton, who is just a great personality, but he was getting visibly frustrated by some people, you know, cheering when he'd miss a putt or put it in a bunker, that sort of thing. And John Rahm of the past would have been bothered by that, I think. But this is a guy who's matured. He's now a father. He's a major champion. He's been out here for a couple times now, now a two-time Ryder Cupper. Like like you mentioned, this is just the start of what could be a dominating stretch for John Rahm. Yeah, I I, uh, I like his game. I like his play. I like his demeanor. I like who he is. We had a nice interview with him after the right. uh, on the U.S. Open, and he's just, uh, he's just a solid guy all around. Another Spaniard. Sergio Garcia, the all the player who's won the most matches in Ryder Cup history. And yes, he's he's a veteran now. He's been around for a while. But how about that partnership with Rom and Sergio? That's got to be so special, as Rom mentioned in the press conference after. 
you know, he looked up to Olafabel. He looked up to Ballesteros. Uh, he looked up to, the, you know, the Spaniards who had partnered together and played well at the Ryder Cup. And for him to have this opportunity to play with one of his idols growing up in Sergio Garcia and to see the success they had, it's obviously they didn't, you know, they didn't win the cup, but, you know, they were the most dominating European tandem by far. You know, and it's interesting, you talked about him looking up to, to Sergio and everything, and in certain ways he did, but they weren't always, and they haven't been necessarily the best buds. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're, it's not that they don't like each other, it's just that they don't, uh, they don't have that kind of Olafabo Ballesteros kind of relationship. That may change now, I think, to a certain extent, that they're playing together and they played so well together, mm-hmm. obviously. But, uh, but yeah, that Spanish connection, that Spanish flair, there's some emotion there. I thought one of the most amazing things was Sergio Garcia being named like the uh, Miss Congeniality Award, the <laughs> Nicholas uh, Concession Award, Jacqueline Concession Award, which does take into play um, some of your uh, performance as well mm-hmm. as your your kind of uh, teamwork and your sportsmanship, uh, sportsmanship. Right? But, but I mean who would have thought of that talking about a guy who's changed his demeanor I really thought Sergio was a guy who just kind of laughed at some of the stuff that was being said about him you could hear from the crowd and you know he, he, he really for the first time in my thinking of watching this stuff he really didn't get sort of uh, out of whack by yelling and cheering and screaming against him he sort of laughed it off and took it all in yeah that's right and you know Sergio and Rom were were great for the Europeans for the most part another player who had a very solid week who, who he said it was the week of his life even though they lost Shane Lowry how about the emotion we saw from Shane Lowry that putt he made in the Saturday four ball in the afternoon to get a point playing with Terrell Hatton they beat Tony Finau and Harris English he didn't show that emotion when he won the the open championship on home soil <laughs> Pretty remarkable that, you know, he had that week at Port Rush, which was any of us would say, if you win a major championship on home turf, that's got to be the week of your life. But he said this was the week of his life, and they lost by 10 points. But good for Shane Lowry. <laughs> he, was, he was really into it. In fact, that celebration he did on Saturday when he got, was it a half point or a full point? It was a full point, yeah. Full point, and, uh, and I think he was so uh, sort of, you know, into the emotion of it when he came back to shake hands like a couple seconds later, he realized he said, sorry, guys, I didn't mean to be quite that celebratory, but that's, that's what the Ryder Cup does. And these guys uh, just, you know, it's, it's a, such a meaningful event and that's nothing you would see unless maybe it was a winning cha- a major championship. But as you pointed out, when he did win the major, he wasn't quite that reactive. So uh, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to sort of um, for us to, understand exactly what this means to them and how deep it runs for them well and one of the reporters asked the team uh, europeans in the press conference what is it about the Ryder cup that makes grown men cry he that was his word for word question and you know because we saw rory mcelroy and you know what he's rory is always incredibly honest with the media you know i remember standing in a scrum with you when he went on to win the 2019 rbc canadian open where after the third round he said this is the greatest this is the best atmosphere i've played in a very long time you're like oh my god this is his first time playing this tournament this is unbelievable obviously went on to win by eight shots that week and it's always just refreshing to see rory because you know before you know after the first two days people were sort of were all over him because he hadn't played great golf. And after, you know, he wins his match against Sanders Shoffle, he gets a point and gives this raw, honest interview. It's, it's hard not to love Rory McIlroy, the human. Uh, yeah, that's right. And, and uh, you know, he says, basically, he said, you know, I don't give a bleep about, mm-hmm. about what I do. It's mm-hmm. about what, the, what I do for the team. And, and that's, again, that's something that only happens to them at the Ryder Cup. And I think there's every player on that team would, would probably break down in tears as yeah. well in that same situation. But you're right, Rory is very forthright. He's very honest. 
Uh, he reveals what's really going on, and I think that's I think that's uh, something that's come to him in the last five years, let's say, mm-hmm. and uh, and people respect him for it, and and you can't help but but respect him for for breaking down and being honest about what it meant to him. Now heading into this week in his Ryder Cup career and his five previous Ryder Cups, Rory McIlroy had never missed a session. Now obviously on Friday he he just didn't have it. He didn't have his game. He wasn't playing well. He was benched on Saturday morning. Pretty bold move by Padraig Harrington. What were initially, because you know that came out Friday evening, fairly late in the evening, initially what were your thoughts on, on Harrington benching Roy? Was that the right thing to do, you think? Yeah, I wasn't shocked. I think, I think at that point he was just, I think that point, you know, the game plan's gone out the window. You're, yeah. you're sort of... Uh, you're getting waxed. Uh, yeah. yeah, you're getting waxed. You need your best players out there, and clearly Rory wasn't one of those best players. He just was not mm-hmm. uh, not in any way delivering. He was not shape, you know, uh, hitting good shots. He was not sinking putts. Uh, he looked a little bit frustrated or, or discouraged out there, maybe is a better word. So I think, yeah, I, don't, I wasn't really surprised, mm. although it was certainly a monumental decision by Patty Harrington, at least... At least he's a guy I think who Rory respects enough that uh, he said, "Yeah, you can, you know, that's fine. I, I agree with you. I probably, I, I would actually say that probably Rory uh, agreed with the decision to be sat, even if he didn't like it." You wonder if behind closed doors, McIlroy went up to Harrington. I doubt it, but maybe he said, "He, you know what? I, I need the morning." And I think Graham Dillette made that point on the on our Sports Center hit on Friday evening, saying, "You know, maybe he went up to Harrington and said, I need the morning here.'" Let, give me time to rest. Give me time to hit the range. Uh, do whatever. But you mentioned Padre Harrington there, and it, it's hard to it's hard to grade a captain because he's he's not doing it. He's 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 making the pairings, but he's he's not hitting any shots. Right. But going forward here, it seems like the Europeans like they had a number of vice captains. You know, your Luke Donalds, Henrik Stenson, Graham Graham McDowell, Martin Keimer. There's a number of guys they can go to here in a couple of years to be their next captain. Earlier in the show, you mentioned Graham McDowell to be the captain in Ireland in a couple of years. But two years from now, Luke Donald, maybe? Or do we see a wild card? What do I you think, think for next I captain? I think it's Lee Westwood's to, to turn yeah, down. Yeah, okay. Um, but I think those guys are all in line. I think that, that lineup is, uh, you know, they've got a lot of good players who can go in there. Henrik Stenson, they can get... Luke Donald and Getkeimer, and and I think they're um, you know the one of the things about having so many old guys is you've got a lot of future captains. Poulter would be a great mm-hmm. captain as well, so I think he'll get a shot. So uh, there's no shortage of uh, of contestants for that pageant. Yeah, lots of options there for Team Europe. But it seems like it's going to be a changing the changing of the guard. We've seen a changing of the guard for the U.S. and in two years in Rome, I'm sure we'll see a couple of other new faces for Team Europe. I guess uh, we shall see. On the other side, we'll switch gears here. We'll be joined by Callum Davison, who just picked up his second victory on the McKenzie Tour PGA Tour Canada. He'll join us next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Sakino is off today. We're on TSN and 50 until the top of the hour as well. You can watch us on TSN 2. We're going to switch gears here a little bit from our Ryder Cup recap show. We'll have an all Ryder Cup 3-dub coming up in our next segment. 
But now joining us on the line is Callum Davison, who just picked up his second victory of the season on PJ Tour Canada McKenzie Tour at the Golf BC Championship, a two-shot victory over Yi Chow. And Callum now joins us. Callum, welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, my friend. Thanks, guys, for having me back on. Uh, yeah. Callum, how does how's that sound to you? The first player this season to win two events on the McKenzie Tour. How does that sound to you? Uh, it definitely feels good, um, especially now that I have one more at home. So, uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. It feels great and uh, gives me some confidence going into uh, this week. Callum, what was the key to your win? I know you. I read you sort of said you, you tried to sort of give yourself a kick in the butt to stay aggressive, uh, but what would you say was the key this week? Um, just I hit it better off the tee. I hit fairways. Um, I played pretty conservative and uh, just stuck with game plan and, I made a couple of pots here and there, and that's um, what I needed to do. So, you mentioned uh, off the tee there, and that's that's an area of game where you have struggled in the past. But uh, I understand you. Yeah, you mentioned your conservative uh, game plan off the tee, and you hit a lot of three irons this past weekend. Tell us about your game plan off the tee in particular. Yeah, just uh, just get it in the fairway. Um, a lot of three irons. I think I basically hit three iron off uh, basically every hole besides three. I hit three drivers every day, kind of, um, off the par fives. And, uh, yeah, just um, I actually broke my three wood on the first day after the first round. Um, so I didn't have a three wood. So basically it was my choice of hitting driver three iron, which is a pretty big gap. So uh, it took out options, that's for sure. Um, but I think I feel like it helped me um, in the long run just because uh, my three wood was kind of a struggle anyways. So... Um, it gave me a little bit further back, but it was, at least I was always in the fairway, which was nice. So, as we mentioned and we discussed this last time you were on, you play cross-handed, which I find fascinating. Uh, and you told us a little bit about it. What kind, of, what kind of comments have you had from people who see you swing and see you play and, and uh, you know, using this unique method? What's the, kind of the strangest thing you've ever heard someone say? Not, nothing too strange. I mean, I've, I've heard multiple times where, hey, uh, when I was younger, you're not going to hit it far enough hitting it like that with your grip. Um, it's just not going to work out in the long run. Um, I, I think I feel like a lot of coaches told me distance was kind of going to be the issue, but it is also kind of neat. Um, every time I go on the range or something, someone you know stops by or whatever, even one of the guys on the tour or whatever stops by and just takes a look and, and asks me questions. And so you get definitely a bit of... Uh, uh, people kind of like it, and you get a little bit of recognition for it, so it's kind of cool that way. Who who would you say? Like, are there other people you know who have had success using this? I can't think. I mean, Chris Couch, I guess, right? <laughs> Is he the only one? Um, yeah, um, Will Lowry. Um, he played on Big Break, uh, Indian Wells. Uh, he's a cool dude. He's contacted multiple times, um, and then uh, Josh Broadway um, is kind of the biggest name um, I would say in the last uh, twenty years. Um, for cross-handed, um, someone playing cross-handed, he played on the Corn Ferry for a little while and then uh, played on the PGA Tour um, a bit. We're in conversation with Callum Davison, who just picked up his second victory of the season on McKenzie Tour, PGA Tour Canada, discussing his unique cross-handed grip. So, uh, Callum, tell us, how did this start? Is this just naturally how you've always picked up the club? Were you playing baseball as a youngster? Tell us about how this grip originated. So, yeah, I mean, I obviously played uh, hockey growing up mm-hmm. in Canadian, so uh, you got to. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, just I'm lefty in hockey. Um, just kind of picked the golf club up, you know, cross-handed, and um, 
used to hit balls up the stairs uh, when I was really young, and I just kind of continued it. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely a couple of people, definitely a couple of coaches tried to change me um, and just uh, kind of just stuck with it. I, I liked it, and I felt like I could play that way, so. Now I gotta ask you: Are you are you also a lefty? Like, do you swing left-handed? Yeah, um, like yeah, lefty feels easier, but at the same time, the grip doesn't feel right. So, like, if I was to to change, I'd probably swing right-handed. But uh, yeah, so you're, so you're a cross-handed. I'm all messed up. <laughs> <laughs> so you're cross-handed and left-handed. Is that right? Yeah, but, oh, and I'm, I'm left-footed too. So we're, yeah, we're <laughs> okay. Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> you're going. Uh, you're going back uh, over to the island uh, for, to to finish things up this week. And uh, you got one. This is the last event. This is a big event, and obviously you're in first place on the points list. Uh, what does it mean to to be going home to a course? I think you're playing Uplands, correct? Uh, to playing yeah. a course that you know and in this position right now. It's you got to like your chances to finish first here. For sure, yeah. Um, just got to stick to kind of the game plan. I, I grew up playing here a decent bit. Uh, I used to play here um, every week when I was home. So uh, it's about an hour from my house, so I'm going to stay at home this week and, um, yeah, drive every day. And, uh, yeah, kind of just I know roughly what I'm going to do this week, so kind of just uh, prepare and, uh, yeah. Now, you're someone who's done a, a bunch of traveling, obviously, uh, throughout your golfing career, especially this year with PGA Tour Canada, McKenzie Tour. But how much does that mean to you to have a home game, really, to play, you know, the, the one of the biggest events of the season and you get to sleep in your own bed? It's weird because I feel like I'm at home and, and, and I honestly haven't played a big tournament in my life and slept at home. It uh, <laughs> feels awkward that way. Um, a lot of distractions and whatnot, but I feel... Um, you know, it's also a great thing. I, I have uh, all the support from my home club here. They're going to come out and watch um, uh, Couch and Golf Club. Uh, Norm Jackson's been a huge help. He's going to come out. Uh, i got a friend on the bag, uh, Andy Johnson. He's uh, played in the event um, on the McKenzie Tour for five or six years. Um, so he's going to be out there. Um, so i got a lot of support and uh, some knowledge behind the golf course and whatnot. So it's going to be definitely uh, an advantage. And, yeah. Well, Callum, congratulations on the victory, your second win of the season, and good luck here next week in your pursuit to pick up win number three. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. That was Callum Davison, who's now who now has two victories on PGA Tour Canada McKenzie Tour. Have you ever tried hitting a, a shot cross-handed? I have not, and um, uh, I'm definitely a tryer. Yeah, I think it's fascinating, and when you and you see, I, I guess I shouldn't have been so surprised when I asked him if he was left-handed because I have seen a couple of videos of him swinging and it looks really good. I mean, it looks powerful mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, it's interesting. By the way, I just should point out that uh, veteran, veteran and Victoria resident Jim Rutledge is in the field this week. I there think that's go. pretty cool too. Yeah, very cool. Uh, congrats again to Callum Davison. Awesome to speak with some of the winners on the McKenzie Tour in their pursuit to you know, make the PGA Tour uh, one day here going forward. Now, we have winners weird and what coming up on the other side, but uh, one great thing about the Ryder Cup, and we mentioned off the top of the show, if you're watching us on TSN2, we're wearing the same sweater, and yes, we, we actually didn't call each other. We, maybe we should have, but we didn't call each other. And uh, the outfits are always a big part of the Ryder Cup. I guess the players are going in. They wear the same thing every day, head to toe. Maybe not head to toe because they're wearing different uh, branded shoes, but uh, from head to ankle, call it that. Um, there were some uh, interesting outfit uh, selections. <laughs> uh, most notably, the uh, opening ceremonies. 
the, the Europeans came in. They were uh, decked out with uh, some nice-looking suits. And the U.S., was that tweed? Was there, were their jackets tweed? Like it. They, yeah. The only thing missing was they didn't have the leather patches yeah. on the elbows, you know. Yeah. I thought... I thought that was just an. Uh, it was unusual. It was different. It was eye-catching. It wasn't uh, to me. It did not look like something you should be wearing during opening ceremonies. But listen, the Euro- the Americans have had trouble in the past. Remember those rain suits they had one year that all leaked in Wales? Yeah, 2010. Um, they've had those shirts in 1999 that they had with the little pictures of all the mm-hmm. past Ryder mm-hmm. Cups, and uh, there was a horrific shirts. Well, I did. I thought they were horrific. Some people might have liked them, and then this time out, the last day with the names on their backs. Eesh. The uh, Brooks kind of went to the hoodie, I noticed, even though most of the other guys were wearing the shirts. But, yeah, I don't know that was going to be overly popular. Yeah, the name on the back, I mean, you see it, obviously, in a lot of other sports, curling, you know, yeah. as the, the names on, on the backs. But golf, that's that's a first. I don't think I've seen that before. I, I don't know. Maybe if we see it coming going forward, maybe we'll get more used to it. Kind of like hoodies, because hoodies in golf are here. And, yes, you know, are. golf traditionalists maybe don't like them, but... When it's a little nippy, when it's a little cold out there, maybe throw the hoodie on. I think it's a good look. Yeah, no, I'm I'm all for the hoodies. No problem about that. I think I think I would say JT, Justin Thomas, is the guy who has really kind of popularized that mm-hmm. for me. Anyway, he's a guy who's worn the hoodies on the PGA Tour and as high profile as he is, he gets a lot of camera time. So he's the guy we, that I think of. When I think of golf and hoodies, I think of JT. And one thing that came up during our preview show last Wednesday was the Europeans during the practice round. They showed up uh, walking onto the first tee, and they had sort of, they almost had Green Bay Packer jerseys on. They were Green Bay Packer attire jackets and, and hoodies, toques, not hoodies actually, but jackets, toques, and the cheese head as well yeah. to play up to the crowd. I mean, good for Team Year for doing that's, that. That's one of their MOs they've had for a while. I remember, I mean, they, they can't sign autographs because of COVID, right. but they would always do that when they would come into the, uh, the, the away games. They would stop and sign a lot of autographs, trying to get the guys on side a little bit. Doesn't always work, but. I thought the cheese head was a cool touch, and um, you know the Americans never seem to—they always seem to be caught a little bit flat-footed with those kind of those kind of things. That's right. Uh, those are some of the weird and wacky in terms of outfits at the Ryder Cup. But coming up on the other side, we'll continue to discuss some of the weird, wacky, and wild from the Ryder Cup. It's winners, weird, and what, and that's coming up next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Springtime is a lot like a Cadillac, spirited, vibrant, and you definitely know when it arrives. Put a little spring in your drive with the Cadillac XT4, XT5, or XT6. Visit Cadillac.ca. Your Cadillac is waiting. Cadillac, never stop arriving. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. Mark Sacchino is off today. We're on TSN 1050. And you can watch us on TSN 2 until the top of the hour. And, Bob, no shortage of weird, of wacky, of wild in the world of golf throughout the last week. It's winners, weird, and what? And this week, you have the tee. So so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Ah! Look, it went further than your ball! Yeah. 
All right. Well, I'm taking a little bit of a break from the uh, Ryder that's Cup okay. here just to pause to yeah. uh, to uh, throw out my winners, weird and what, although I got one that's, uh, that's involved <laughs> in there. But my winner is Golf Canada okay. for starting something that you were out at to, to, to witness in person. I couldn't be there, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but that was the starting of the All Abilities Championship. And I think that's an amazing event. Um, we saw some great performances out there. You had a good chance to witness this. And the second part that I like about this is not only did they host it, but they hosted it at a municipal golf course, at Humber Valley Golf Course in Toronto. And players with all ranges of, of I don't know, what you, of abilities. And mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, the championship was held. Great scores. I mean, tell, you tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was out there playing with a man named Tom as well. Lindsey Hamilton from TSN was, was in our group as well. And the stories he was telling us, um, spine-tingling, emotional, it was... It was uh, it was an unbelievable day, really, and uh, the opening ceremonies uh, were great. I got to see our good friend Lawrence Applebaum uh, from Golf Canada as well. It was an incredibly inspiring day uh, to see all of these great people go out and play the game of golf. Um, and uh, in terms of the golf course, I'd never actually been to Humber Valley before. And oh, play. really? Yeah. It was a great. It was a treat. It was. It, it was breezy. It was a lot, lots of different challenging undulation and holes. The green complexes were great. We were also playing with uh, Christine Fraser, who's a golf architect who oh, actually yeah. helped uh, with the Irish Open at La Hinch back in 2019. And great to hear her perspective of the golf course itself. But, yeah, this is an unbelievable initiative by Golf Canada. Well, Curtis Barkley and Natasha Stasiuk were the uh, division winners at, uh, at the championship. So good for Golf Canada. Congratulations to the winners. Congratulations to everybody mm-hmm. for taking part. Uh, my weird this week was, I don't know if you saw this on the LPGA Tour, but uh, you've had a hole in one, right? I've had two, actually. Two holes in one. Have you had them in back-to-back rounds? No, <laughs> that's, no. What, that's what NASA Hadaoka, who ended right. up winning on the LPGA Tour. I couldn't believe that. Back-to-back LPGA Tour professional golf rounds where the pin sets are not usually all that easy. Uh-huh. Uh, she weighed back-to-back hole-in-ones. That's like crazy. Now, was it the same hole? It was, uh, you know what? I don't know. Okay, okay. But I will find that out. Okay. When <laughs> probably something a good, you know, a good research person would probably do that. And I am nothing like a good research person. So, uh, But I, I just thought it was amazing that yeah. she did that. And I was just blown away and uh anyway some people wait their whole careers she has it two days of course she went on to win the tournament well isn't there the expression that it's more likely to get struck by lightning than get a hole in one yeah but back to back rounds like we've seen you know throughout three dub this past summer and throughout my time on golf talk canada we've seen guys get with the same group back to back days but on the lpga tour back to back days with aces remarkable pretty good all right and my what this week is what about that lip out by Jordan Spieth. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I have ever seen a ball go down as far into the cup without actually bouncing out, but Mm -hmm, I mean, like, mm -hmm. in a spin around like that and coming out, like, that was hard, hard, hard to watch. Well, and it was was great because, you know, the camera was right on John Rahm after, and his jaw was about at his chest. Like, it was, (laughs) like, he was totally flabbergasted this ball didn't drop in the hole. It was a horseshoe and then some. You wonder, I I mean, he had, obviously, it's match play, like we discussed. The golf's a little different, so he... You're generally putting a little harder, and especially when you know your partner's already in for three, you putt for birdie. But this was just a remarkable lip out. Now I've seen some balls actually go into the cup and bounce out. I remember there was one. I didn't see this one live, but there was one on the old PGA Tour uh, Q School, where the cup was actually put in wrong. It was put in on a, just a bit of a slant, and so this guy putted the ball, went in, hit the side, hit the bottom, and came right out. So it was actually in the cup for like a heartbeat, and then came back out. And of course, you know what happened, right? He missed his card by a shot. 
Ah. <laughs> so, uh, and I've seen a few, you know, where the hole in ones where it hits the bottom of the flag or something and pops up. But I don't think I've ever seen a round, uh, that was around the horn like that that went down that far. That was a horseshoe so. and then some, yeah. All right, Mr. Skelly, the tea is yours. Yeah, well, I, I had the coffee. I got to activate the calves and I got to step on one here. <laughs> Come on, baby. That's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs and attack the pin. You know, it's funny you mentioned the ball going in out of the hole. I remember uh, in early in 2020, this was just pre-COVID, uh, at Torrey Pines, Tiger Woods, final round at, at, uh, at the Farmers Insurance Open, hitting a wedge that took one bounce, took a second bounce, went in the hole and spun out of the hole. Yeah, that's right. I remember that one too. And it was just, I remember I was sitting in the newsroom actually for Sports Center here and it was quiet. It was a Sunday afternoon and I was, I was like, oh my God. Like I was, it was like an oh my God moment. Like you were screaming like you've never seen this happen before. But you know what? You see some weird things in the game of golf. And speaking of weird things, this is actually my winner. This could have been my weird, could have been my what. It could have been everything with 3-Dub. Jordan Spieth, 17th hole, Friday morning. Justin Thomas has the tee and hooks his tee shot left, goes way down, and Jordan Spieth's got this, he's sort of, he's on, on, kind of like on an angle here where if he hits this ball wrong, it could go into the hill, could go behind him, it could go 50 yards over the green. Has, has a 60 degree, goes back to the 52, and he takes this mighty lash at this thing, and the ball goes... <laughs> quite literally a mile in the air and lands <laughs> not literally not no. literally in the air <laughs> yeah, wink wink sorry. nudge nudge but uh it goes very high in the air and lands six feet short five feet short yeah and so it's just a remarkable shot but then Spieth almost tore his acl about four times running down the hill 24 steps before stopping right in front of lake michigan this was uh, must-see material we'll see this in the top 10 uh, sports center top 10 must-see moments of the week coming up a little later this week on friday but in terms of shots in recent memory, this is up there in terms of spectacular. Yeah, I can't think of, I mean, he could have sat there with a large bucket of balls and, and try to hit that shot again and probably never come as close as he did that one. And the danger, as he said afterwards, if you take the 60, which normally would be the inclination to do, it's easy to hit that ball over your head and backwards. I mean, mm -hmm, you could have ended mm -hmm. up in Lake Michigan very easily. And especially because you're swinging so hard at it with the angle of attack. But the worst thing about it, Spieth you know, goes through this effort to hit this unbelievable shot. And then Justin Thomas misses the pipe. So you just hate to see that. Maybe the the, the lone um, you know uh, error on uh, Team USA throughout the week. But uh, what a shot that was uh, for Jordan Spieth. My weird this week goes to Bryson DeChambeau. We've spoken at length of the last 18 months of the transformation of Bryson DeChambeau's body. This superhuman, the seven protein shakes a day. He looks like the Michelin man at times. Now he's dialed it back. Maybe he lost 10 or 15 pounds. He's swinging it at obscene speeds we'll see him in the world long drive championship starting on tuesday but maybe you know maybe bryson you should be working on your hands to get them stronger because he couldn't open the bottle of champagne <laughs> yeah i know it, there's a great clip uh i mentioned sports center top tens where uh you know this is aired on a number of times over the years where it's this big juiced up guy at a baseball game and he can't open a water bottle <laughs> and this is what it reminded me of because Bryson you know he's this big dude and he's, he couldn't pop the bottle of champagne so maybe he's got to train them so you know the secret someone a a, a vintner explained to oh. me one year the secret to opening champagne is not to try and push the cork up it's you twist it oh you just twist oh. it and then the pressure Makes it pop. Maybe so, we'll have a live tutorial. I'll, uh, I'll yes, I'll yeah. bring a bottle our, next our week. <laughs> we'll clean everything down. <laughs> That's that. Uh, okay, my what this week? 
Uh, Bryson and Brooks Kepka, they're linked together, it seems like, all the time. Now they had the really awkward bro hug, whatever. But Saturday morning, there was a bit of a kerfuffle with a rules official and then a second rules official where, you know, Brooks Kepka, he's just a different guy. He's, uh, he knows he's really good at the sport, and he's not afraid to tell you he's really good at the sport. But this is a guy who just jarred his wrist three weeks ago at the Tour Championship, and he had a lie where he wanted to get a drop because there was some sort of drainage area by a bunker, and he was afraid with his follow-through he'd hit his wrist and break his wrist, trying to you know, finagle or change the rules for, for the benefit of him. And Daniel Berger, his partner at the time, was trying to help out too. It seemed like Sergio Garcia was also on board with it, I think, maybe because he might, might have been threatened by Brooks Kepka. I don't he was, know. He was gunning for the concession award. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. But Kepka, so he asked for a second rules official. The rules official comes in. Brooks, we're not giving you a drop. And then Brooks says, if I break my wrist, it's on both of you. And sort of like, it just it put me off. It, obviously, like I've supported Brooks Kepka a lot on this show. But when you're talking down to a rules official like that, you know, in other sports, you get a penalty and you're a misconduct or something. And this this was a misconduct, I think, to swear to a rules official like that. Two rules officials. Oh, yeah, that's that's a T, right? You get teed up in basketball. Look, all you have to do, all Brooks had to do was say, OK, that's the ruling. If I don't want to play this, if I want to risk it, I can take an unplayable. I mean, it's not the end of the world. They were yeah. already winning this thing, dominating it. So, um, you know, to, 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 to go on that little bit of a tantrum and uh, the threat, as you said, uh, was a little bit much. Yeah, a little bit much for, for Kepka, who had, uh, he ran into Sergio and Rom because uh, they end up uh, losing uh, he had that match on Saturday, Saturday afternoon when Kepka partnered with Jordan Spieth and they end up losing that match. But, um, you know, no, sh- no shortage of weird and wacky in the world of golf at the Ryder Cup. And one more bonus one, Bob. Okay. Because, um, you know, you know me, I, I follow hockey a lot. I played hockey. And one of the great traditions of hockey for NHL players is you don't touch the Stanley Cup unless you win it. But the Ryder Cup, they're handing it off. They're taking pictures before whatever. Why do you think it's maybe it's just a hockey thing of maybe the Stanley Cup just has its history? Yeah, but maybe. the Ryder Cup, every, like everyone was touching it beforehand. I don't yeah, know. I don't know about that. That's interesting, isn't yeah. it? I've, I've wondered about that before, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm going to follow up on my hole in one. Yes. The uh, hole the hole in ones that NASA Hadoka made were on two different holes, the 11th mm. and then the 6th. And believe it or not, she's the fifth player to have two aces in the same tournament on the LPGA Tour. <laughs> so I thought it was really rare. Apparently not. The last one was in 2016, but uh, there you go. Holy smokes. I would have lost that, uh, that trivia question for sure. Now, yeah. for my two hole-in-ones, they were 13 years apart, but the exact same yardage on different holes. Really? Yes. Ex- on different holes? On different same holes, yardage, same different yardage, different holes. Wow. Both yeah. at Bayview? Both at Bayview. The 12th hole was from the White Tees in 2005. I was a young 13-year-old. And then 2000. 18, I was on the 17th hole from the black tees, and one was a four iron, one was an eight iron. Wow. A bit of a different body shape in 13 years, but crazy. Two aces in the same tournament, Nasa Atoka. Good for her. Fair. That's awesome. Good on the her. other side, Bob, we're going to wrap up the show, and we're also going to look ahead to the Sanderson Farms Championship this week. We'll make some TSN edge picks. That's coming up after the break. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management, was brought to you by Cadillac. Springtime is a lot like a Cadillac, spirited, vibrant, and you definitely know when it arrives. Put a little spring in your drive with the Cadillac XT4, XT5, or XT6. Visit Cadillac.ca. 
your Cadillac is waiting. Cadillac, never stop arriving. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new ZG21. Lightweight with zero compromise. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks on TSN 1050 as well on TSN 2. Well, the Ryder Cup is now behind us. The U.S. with a dominating victory, 19-9, the most lopsided win in the modern era over Team Europe. Great week. Really enjoyed the week. Looking forward to Rome already in two years. But Bob, TSN Edge is your home for all your fantasy needs. And every week on Golf Talk Canada, we look ahead to that week's PGA Tour event. And coming up this week is the Sanderson Farms Championship. Each week, we make three picks for who we think is going to have a good week at the Sanderson Farms. So this week, who are you liking? All right. Well, I'm going to go with my first pick. I'm going Canadian Corey Connors, mm -hmm. who I ran into this week up oh, at yes. Skoka Bay. We were taping a commercial up there, and he was up there for... Taylor Pender Stag. Oh. Michael Bligick, Stuart McDonald. So that gave me good vibes. I felt I saw him hit off the first tee, so I figured, okay, he's in shape. Now. <laughs> uh, and then I saw him again on Saturday night at another event. But anyway, his, uh, his best finish in this tournament was a second in 2018. He tied for 17th last year at this event. And coming in after, I think, what is a well-deserved rest, he's been working on parts of his game. He told me his wedge play. He's got four wedges in the bag now, and he's... Uh, uh, I think he's feeling good. He's only going to play two events in the fall series because of a wedding and because he's going to be a father. So I think he's going to go all in on those. Mm. Uh, my second pick is J.T. Poston. And J.T. Poston has played well at this tournament the last two years. Third last year, tied 11th the year before that. He is also one of the best putters on the PGA Tour. Last year he finished second in strokes gain putting. So that always bodes well for a guy who can make a few birdies. Played the tournament the last five years, and he has never missed the cut. Mm. So J.T. Poston goes on to my ticket. And then finally, I'm going to go with Charlie Hoffman. 17th on the tour in strokes gained total last year. Sixth in total birdies being made. He tied for sixth in this event last year and tied for 23rd the year before that. He's coming off a tie for 22 at the Fortinet Napa Valley uh, start. And that was uh, his only start, obviously, for this year. It's everybody's only start. And he's only missed one cut in his last 17 tournaments. So a good one there with Charlie Hoffman. And now, who do you like? Okay, Bob, so off the start, I really like Sam Burns making his first start of the new season. Of course, coming off that breakout year, a win, two seconds, eight top tens. Last season, he was fifth in birdie average, ninth in strokes gained putting, 14th in strokes gained total. He was not selected as a captain's pick on the Ryder Cup, but I expect him to have a big tournament this week. My second pick, Sung J.M. Made his last 10 cuts on the PGA Tour last season, including a third-place finish at the BMW Championship. Ball striking is a strength. He was a 11th in driving accuracy, 16th in strokes gained total, strokes gained off the tee, and 27th in greens and regulation. Plus, he made 498 birdies last season, the most of any player. I expect Sung JM to get off to a good start this week at the Sanderson Farms. And for some value, you like Canadian Corey Connors. I like Canadian Roger Sloan making his second start of the season. He did miss the cut of the Fortinet Championship, but had a great end to last season, losing in a playoff at the Wyndham, T6 at the Barracuda. The key to his success, driving accuracy, where he was fourth last year. I like Roger Sloan to have a good week this week at the Sanderson 
Farms. Okay, Mark Skinos picks. He's in Italy enjoying some vacation, but he likes Carlos Ortiz, Will Zalatoris, and he's also on the Corey Connors train. Popular week. train. Popular train to be on. TSN Edge, your home for all your fantasy needs. We're back every week for your weekly PGA Tour picks. Uh, Bob, I mentioned I'm throwing you a bit of a curveball here. <laughs> okay. Ooh. So I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, in our leaderboard updates, a certain someone won on the Champions Tour. This player played all four rounds with Tiger Woods at the 2010 Masters after the first start post-scandal. Do you know who that player is? All four rounds. And you mentioned him already? I did. I wasn't paying I mentioned him very quickly. I mentioned his name Uh, once. Champions Tour, it was... Nope, you got me. KJ Choi. KJ Choi, of course. I should have come up with that. KJ Choi. All four rounds. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that came out. To, I have a very weird memory, and that, that sort of came to me uh, during the commercial break. And... KJ was sort of part of that class that the Altern 50, Mike Weir, and yep. Jim Furyk, and Ernie Els, all those guys. Now, we mentioned the Sanderson Farms. Eight Canadians in the field this yeah. week. That's pretty good that's right there. Pretty deep. We got uh, Corey Connors, Adam Hadwin, Michael Gligic, Mackenzie Hughes, Taylor Penrith, Roger Sloan, Adam Svensson, and Nick Taylor, so uh, very nice uh, lineup of players. Of course, Nick Taylor, a past champion mm-hmm. in this tournament. And so, it's uh, boy, it's, you can't get much more than that, except, aha, uh, oh. next week, uh, Graham Dillette will be returning to That's play. Right. He's going to play in Las Vegas, and he is going to uh, test his back and see how he goes. He said he's not sure how it'll work. Four rounds, no cart, um, something he's not used to. He's yeah. used to playing with his buddies in a cart. But I'm glad to see that he's going to give it a go, and we'll see what he's got. Did some great work uh, with us at TSN for the Ryder Cup and throughout the major championship season as well. All the best here, Graham Dillette, as his comeback trail continues. Uh, here on Golf Talk Canada, now it's sort of, uh, it's, it's a quieter season uh, in the golf world. Now the Ryder Cup is behind us, but we're here every Monday still on Golf Talk Canada Radio. We'll have some best of specials, including a tailor-made product special, which uh, we speak to all of the engineers about TaylorMade's 2021 product line. And Bob, 20 weeks of TaylorMade. Also, a huge thing we do here on GTC. It's back in 2022. Nice. It'll be bigger. It'll be better than ever. Of course, follow Golf Talk Canada on, and Taylor May Canada on Instagram and Twitter. Tag your golfing buddies on our posts. Uh, it'll be starting around Masters Week in 2022. And our grand prize winner actually just had his fitting last week, too. Oh, really? Yes. That's cool. Uh, Nick from Bowmanville just had his fitting last week. Nice. And we'll be posting pictures on our social media channels uh, coming up a little later this week. But uh, a custom... Through the bag fitting at TaylorMade, you'll have to see that. Always good, and uh, everyone loves the, the 20 weeks of TaylorMade. It's, a, it's amazing how much stuff we give away when you look at all the, uh, all the gear and the balls and the clubs and the wedges and the putters. It's amazing. It really is. And on the TV side of things on Golf Talk Canada, we'll have a TaylorMade product special on TV. That's coming up at some point in October. In November, we'll have a Canadian player special. We'll speak to a lot of the uh, top Canadian professionals. Uh, both on the men's and ladies' side. And we'll hear about their seasons, their outlook for 2022. And then December, on radio to TV, we have our festive special, which we love. And then our year in review special as well. Uh, you know, winners, weird and what of the year, sound bites of the year. I'm sure we'll get a couple sound bites of the year from that press conference where the U.S. won the Ryder Cup in dominating fashion. Bob, it's been fun. Two hours recapping the U.S. dominating victory. Coming up next on TSN 1050, it is Toronto today with the man, the myth, the legend, Jim Taddy. <laughs> yes, guy. Thanks for joining us here on Golf Talk Canada. We'll see you next time. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf. 
and the all-new ZG21. Lightweight with zero compromise. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network.